0: Hello there, friend. This is Jerry Tyson in The Beacon's Light. Be sure to check out the booklet Cost of Revival by Rob Linstead. This booklet shows that if God would send revival when Elijah stood completely alone, he can use you. Cost of Revival by Rob Linstead is available right now for a gift of only $5 or more. Order your copy by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. What started as a visit to friends who moved to Western Michigan ultimately turned into an all-out travel assault on our sea and lake coasts. Before our first trip out, we researched the things worth seeing in Michigan and found quite a number of interesting locations that seemed worthwhile. Not having been there before, it was full steam ahead. A stop at a visitor center just over the border from Ohio armed us with more ideas. What we didn't expect was developing such a high interest in looking for lighthouses. For a number of years we would use a trip to the Southwest Radio Ministry Oklahoma offices as an excuse for travel onward to new areas we had not seen before. It's been quite rewarding. For several years, we planned and hoped to continue from Oklahoma to the West Coast and the Pacific Coast Highway. It's a foregone conclusion that you've seen some of these vistas and views on television, in advertising, and countless other places with scenic background photography the PCH is arguably one of the most beautiful drives in America and certainly would make the list of top 10 in the world. Having grown up near the East Coast and the Jersey Shore and having traveled up and down the East Coast from Florida to Maine and Maritime Canada, we saw many beautiful locations from the mangrove swamps of Florida to the rocky coasts of Maine and Nova Scotia. Nothing prepared us for the jaw-dropping beauty of California and Oregon's shores. Most of the East Coast shores are sandy and stretch a long distance from where one might park a car to the water's edge. Built-up areas that have become vacation spots usually have moderate beaches, but further north in New England and beyond, they become much more jagged and less hospitable to spreading a blanket and basking in the sun. The American West Coast has a few sandy beaches, but even more are rugged cliff drop-offs and huge rocks and boulders scattered on the beach. Picture postcards are made of areas like this. If our West Coast states were a bit more politically hospitable these days, I would suggest vacationing there if you enjoy being a nomad and driving until you see something worth stopping to see. No schedule. No pressures, no problems. Other than being nostalgic and attempting to whet your appetite for travel, why am I even mentioning all of this? Well, as we've traveled, we've found it absolutely incredible that all of this majestic beauty, the towering mountains, the shorelines, the waterfalls, and the clear sky nighttime star displays just happened to evolve to what we see. Imagine. Total random evolution of all of this natural beauty for us to enjoy. No, I didn't hit my head on a low basement beam. Someone traveling the world, flying over it in an airplane, or just opening his eyes and looking around, has to be worse than willingly ignorant to, with a perfectly straight face, try to tell anyone that all of this is the result of evolutionary processes, not from God. There are so many aspects to keeping everything functioning on the universal level. Things that must complement each other working together would be impossible through random chance. Most of us are not students of the human body as a surgeon would be. Surely one who has examined a body has to realize the intricate interactions needed to keep that body alive and well. One part out of control or diseased or missing would spell serious problems for the person involved. We marvel when a new baby comes into our lives. How tiny, how fragile, yet everything needed for lifelong function is there. We probably don't think about how many different animal life forms there are that are similar, but each is unique. A bird, a mouse, giraffe, puppy, kitten, every animal at the zoo or in the woods all have circulating systems. Hearts at their center, lungs, wings, paws or legs, a covering of fur or hair or feathers, eyes, ears, digestive systems, and so on. None are the same. The blood of one would not benefit another if transfused. Similar, but totally different, creating variety. There is absolutely no way all of this is random or by chance. It is by design. A design requires a designer. Whether we're talking about a home, skyscraper, automobile, heating and air conditioning system, a fancy wedding dress, every one of them needs a designer and no one questions that that is the reality. Why is it so hard to accept that there is an omniscient and omnipotent God, who from the beginning had it all figured out? It isn't that all humans are stupid. Granted, that might be a broad statement, but it is still true. Some people have put two and two together and realized God is at the top of all of this. What about the others? What is their rationale? I will presume that in podcasts' future, I will come back to this one issue. It is the foundation of all we can point to in this world that is not positive, not good, not uplifting. It all started in eternity past when one angel took too much time in front of a mirror and got obsessed with himself. He concluded that he should be God, and he began an insurrection. What does an angel really look like? White-winged men who hover over us to help when we have needs beyond our abilities? Or are they more like little babies with tiny, useless wings that are there to encourage us? Artist depictions that crept into church art several hundred years ago as great cathedrals were being erected in Europe and beyond surely influenced our conception of what angels look like. Scripture paints a different picture. In virtually every case of an angel interacting with men, they appeared no different than other men. They were dressed in the manner of the day. They spoke as the one they were meeting. The last chapter of Hebrews has many little tidbits of value. It is almost as if the writer is saying, oh, here are a few things I almost forgot. One of them is in Hebrews 13:12, which has the interesting idea that we should be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Let's make this simple. You or I never know when someone will cross our path that will put us to the test. God knows what is in our hearts and doesn't need the test for his sake. If we're paying attention when that stranger comes our way, we may be able to grade ourselves on the test. Did we get annoyed by the interruption or did we gladly meet an unanticipated need of that one who came our way? even if it meant uprooting our plans for the moment. Back to our guy admiring himself in the mirror. Pride becomes the worst enemy one can have. We see that in the entertainment world, the sports world, and even in the political realm, believe it or not. When one becomes overly proud of appearance, abilities, position, or achievements, that one is destined to experience a serious readjustment of ideas. For one who thinks he is so important that he does not need to follow the rules ordinary folks need to follow, the jail time or the loss of family, fortune, and respect may be hard to handle. First known as Lucifer and functioning in heaven as most trusted and important angel, he stepped away from that mirror and took several steps down a path to ruin repeating the prideful i wills that were his downfall it is this same lucifer now known as satan or the devil who received god's judgment in isaiah 14:12 how art thou fallen from heaven o lucifer son of the morning how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations imagine the humiliation When we take a little time to think between the lines, this guy must have been really quite a personality. He was able to convince a third of the heavenly host of angels that he should take over, should be the God of the universe. It is this same Satan who has made it his passion to do everything he can to undermine God's will and blessing in the lives of men his red-hot hatred for God, and everything he stands for is the directive for everything since that day he was kicked out of heaven. How can we imagine the conceit and pride that would motivate one who was a created being, who lived in the splendor of heaven, who experienced the presence and love of God every day, to rebel? He did and has sought to regain what he considers his proper place by challenging God in every realm of experience. Satan has many tools in his toolbox, but few of them have been as valuable as the undermining of the educational system to totally reject anything that reflects God. In 1962 and 63, Supreme Court decisions started a downward descent that seemed insignificant at the time. But in the nearly 60 years that have been since then, it has been the root cause for many of the problems of today. But in the nearly 60 years since then, they have been the root causes for many of the problems of today. It was when the long-standing practice of beginning the school day with the reading of a few verses from the Bible and repeating the Lord's Prayer and pledging allegiance to the flag came to a halt. Many things can be grafted to see an increase in bad things and a decrease in good things since then. That little pinch of salt was used of God to keep young folks from ignorance of God and the fact that he had a claim on their lives. Twelve years later, the last child, influenced in any way by the truth of God's Word, graduated. By the mid-1970s, it was obvious America was headed in the wrong direction. Major changes are not accepted overnight, with one recent exception, COVID-19. It was presented to us as the end of the world. If we didn't change everything immediately, slowly the truth is coming out, and we're seeing how we were played to accept change. Satan, knowing that he had to do a test run, has proven how quickly people will accept what they never would have accepted when they were made to think they were going to die the next day. When he gets his chance to rule the world, those left behind at the rapture will readily accept whatever restrictions he imposes, thinking they will be saved from the next terrible event to come. If they only knew. We have strayed far from our earlier thoughts about the splendor of the scenic west coast, but I hope we can see more clearly that our adversary, the devil, is very active today. He is not retired, he is not slowing down, but increasing his assault on mankind, still thinking he can win if he just gets a few more to follow him. In effect, he is winning. Every soul who dies without knowing Christ as Savior is destined to an eternity in hell. Pop culture has made light of hell so that it has no effect on our thinking as a nation. Unfortunately, it is real. Everyone who dies without Christ is one more for whom Satan can say to God, I got him. The beauty of our West Coast is nothing compared to the splendor of heaven, waiting for those who are forgiven of their sins by confessing them to the Savior. If you haven't asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be your Savior, do it. Now, there is no promise of another chance tomorrow. If you have already, think of those around you who will spend all of eternity in hell cursing you constantly because you didn't bother to tell them they could avoid hell and experience heaven. Romans 1.16 is our reminder. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. In the Beacon's Light is a production of Beacon Street Media. Feel free to contact us at www.swrc.com. This is Jerry Tyson reminding you that when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin.